One day I was doing awake brain surgery on patients with tumors in eloquent parts of their brain. And the next week, I literally was working in a truck stop bequeathed to my mother, heavily mortgaged in Wheeling, West Virginia, in the dead of winter. I was filling up 18 wheelers, flipping hamburgers, and wondering how in the world did this happen to me? Welcome to Doc Working, the Whole Physician Podcast. I'm Dr. Jen Barna, and I'm thrilled to be here today with guest Dr. Joseph Maroon, clinical professor and vice chairman of the Department of Neurosurgery at the University of Pittsburgh, who co-developed the IMPACT Neurocognitive Test, which is the only FDA-approved test for concussion assessment back in 1990, and who is the team neurosurgeon for the Pittsburgh Steelers and first neurosurgeon directly appointed by the NFL. He has published more than 290 peer-reviewed papers, 56 book chapters, six books, and most recently published Square One, A Simple Guide to a Balanced Life. Dr. Joseph Maroon, welcome to Doc Working, the Whole Physician Podcast. I'm excited to talk with you because we share an interest in how to live a balanced life. Thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure, Jen. Looking forward to it. Dr. Maroon, you've had such a significant career and accomplished so much. And I know that took a lot of sacrifice on your part, as well as on the part of your family. What happened that you describe in the book leading up to the time when you were around 41 years old, when suddenly things changed for you? Well, well, Jen, excellent question. And when I came out of my residency 100 years ago, I was very intent on, on doing well, on being successful. And most of us have heard that the three A's for success are availability, affability, and ability. And I was available, I was affable, and I thought I was pretty able, and I still think that, of course. But I also was hell-bent on being the very best that I could at almost, at the sacrifice of many other aspects of my life. And within the course of a week after doing very well at the University of Pittsburgh, my father died of a heart attack at age 60 prematurely, and my family broke up because of my pursuit of success, if you would, and I had to quit neurosurgery because I, was, I realized I was not able to continue to operate, quite frankly, in a safe way, and, and I left neurosurgery, and one day I was doing awake brain surgery on patients with tumors in eloquent parts of their brain. And the next week, I literally was working in a truck stop bequeathed to my mother, heavily mortgaged in Wheeling, West Virginia, in the dead of winter. I, I was filling up 18 wheelers, flipping hamburgers, and wondering how in the world did this happen to me? And clearly, pathologically depressed, unable to think clearly. My salience network, my executive network, my default mode networks were all scrambled, if you would. And I was this way for several months. And one day, the banker who held the mortgage on the truck stop called me and said, hey, Joe, 
you need to go for a run. I said, run, I'm 20 pounds overweight. I can't walk up a flight of steps without being dyspneic. And, uh, but I found a pair of old scrubs and sneakers and went down to the local high school track, made it around four times and said, never again. I was exhausted. I hurt, winded. But that night, something very strange happened. I slept for the first time in about four months. So the next day, I went down and did a mile and a quarter, then a mile and a half, and then two, and then three. And as the unintended side effect of running and subsequently learning to swim and bike, my neurotransmitters were getting rebalanced. I was rebooting my brain. My serotonin levels went up without drugs. My acetylcholine increased, so I started to think better. My dopamine and my endocannabinoid system was functioning at a better level without THC. And I learned to swim and bike. I started entering triathlons and I've completed eight Ironman distance races and uh, 70 or 80 other Olympic and other kinds of triathlons. And I continue to this day because I discovered the mind-body connection. The mind clearly can make the body very sick. Atherosclerosis, stress, cortisol, cardiac events, irritable bowel. But also what I've discovered is the body can heal the brain. This is something that people simply conceptually don't really grasp, that you can heal your brain through physical activity, which we know now is the best antidepressant. In head-to-head studies, psychiatric studies with serotonin reuptake inhibitors and other drugs versus exercise, exercise wins every time. Aerobic activity. You don't have to do triathlons, but aerobic activity wins every time. So that, you know, for years, for decades, three, four decades, I've plucked tumors from the brain, removed blood clots, but I I dealt with the structural problems of the brain, but nothing with the functional. And and I can't help but recall the lines from Macbeth when his wife was suffering from PTSD from murdering King Duncan. And Macbeth went to the physician and said, doctor, how does one pluck from memory some rooted sorrow, erase the written troubles of the mind, and with some sweet, oblivious antidote? cleanse the heart of that troublesome stuff. So we're very good technically of removing, as I said, tumors, blood clots, aneurysms from the brain, but the functional aspect of the brain were so, so deficient. And in this period of the pandemic where 90, 80% of the people, anxiety, depression, overworked, overcommitted, overwhelmed, overstressed, burned out, I've come to the the four epigenetic factors of diet, exercise, avoiding environmental toxins, alcohol, drugs, smoking, and controlling stress. Those four epigenetic factors can increase longevity, reduce cancer, heart disease, and stroke, and, and really put people into a balanced state. And that was the essence of why I wrote the book, Square One, A Simple Guide to a Balanced Life. Sanjay Gupta of CNN said, it's already changed his life. So it's something that 
personal experiences, you know, the, the saying that data is one thing, but personal stories are another. The personal story, not only me, but so many other people can be motivational for some. So that's my, my, my preamble, if you would, Jen. First of all, I, I really commend you for coming forward and talking about your personal story, because what I've found from talking with physicians all over the country is that it's difficult for us to be vulnerable. We're trained not to be vulnerable. And I think that certainly does contribute to put ourselves on the path to burnout. So I, I really appreciate the fact that you tell your story and, and that you're willing to step forward and show an example of hitting the end of the road, but then finding a way to turn that around. And something else that I, I really enjoy talking about and exploring on the podcast is the concept of hidden stress and what effects that can have to our health. There's some really fascinating turns that have been made, it seems, in the last several years in new ways of thinking about neuroscience. And so as a, as a neurosurgeon, it's fascinating to hear you speak about some of those ideas that are, that are coming to the forefront and that you have personally experienced. Have you also incorporated that into your practice of medicine? Yes, I have. And, and Jen, you've touched on several points. Number one is neuroplasticity. The ability of the brain to heal itself and to change. You know, Heraclitus, the Greek philosopher 2,400 years ago, said you can never put your foot into the same river twice. Why is that? Because the river is constantly moving. Your brain is actually the same way. Because of our five senses and the constant input of smell, taste, touch, hearing, we're constantly neuromodulating our brain structure and function. On my website, I, I made a video with the students here in the video science department of uh, the University of Pittsburgh called Calming the Brain. And on my website, josephmaroon.com, it's a 12-minute video on calming the brain that I discuss exactly what you're talking about, neuroplasticity, retraining the brain, and also the significance of new things like transcranial magnetic stimulation, photobiomodulation, psychedelics, and hyperbaric oxygen therapy. All these are techniques for neuromodulating, either upregulating or downregulating the synaptic connections that determine in our limbic system mood, behavior, thinking, etc. It's, it's really uh, worthwhile watching along the areas that you're discussing. And I'd love to hear more about the different neuromodulators that you just mentioned, the newer ways that surgeons are using uh, these new techniques. So can you tell us a little bit? You, you mentioned, I think, four there. Yeah, well, I, I, I gave a talk recently to the Society for Brain Mapping and Engineering on the connectome, which is the wiring diagram of the brain, and from psychosurgery to neuromodulation, psychedelics, and hyperbaric oxygen therapy. So you, you really, a, a rudimentary understanding of the neuron, the neuronal theory, the synaptic connections, the transmitters, and that the brain is an electrochemical organ, not a computer, which is zero and one that works in series. The brain works in parallel, electrochemically, and with various mental disorders, anxiety, depression, particularly depression. 
there's either upregulating or downregulating various neurotransmitters and electrical transmission in the various networks that I alluded to before, the executive network, the salient network. So what we're able to do with various energy sources now is to modulate that electrochemical transmission. So in people who are depressed, who fail, depending on your insurance, one, two, or three psychotropic antidepressants, transcranial magnetic stimulation can be used, which is placing a literally a magnet over the prefrontal cortex, and then either upregulating or downregulating the pathways subserving emotion, thought, behavior. It, it really is a very, very effective option when the next option is electroshock therapy which is still done in this country, about 100,000 patients a year for intractable depression. And there's now many studies going on with photobiomodulation using near-infrared stimulation transcortically, transcutaneously, to do the same thing in terms of neuromodulating the neurotransmitters that are active in these various networks. So it's a burgeoning new area of science that very few people are aware of. It's fascinating to me to go, as I said, for years, I've, I've modulated, if you would, the structural aspects of the brain, but I'm, I'm even more fascinated now by functionally how the brain works in health and in disease and what can be done to pluck from memory rooted sorrows and erase the written troubles of the mind like PTSD that is horrible in our in so many people, not just our soldiers. So it's a burgeoning area of neuroscience that is just so it's exploding. And I'm fascinated by it. Do you think that PTSD plays a role in physician burnout? Yeah, yeah, it does. But I think there's the other thing is 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 moral outrage in the way health systems function now economically, physicians are generally not appreciated as they were in the past. And there's various factors both ways on that. But being on a stopwatch and stop clock for how many patients you see, the electronic medical record being more important for billing in terms of the economists who run the hospitals rather than patient care. I mean, everything, it's about balance, you know. Aristotle said, hit the mean between extremes in everything. Don't eat too much, not too little. Don't exercise too much, not too little. You mentioned before that when you were prioritizing your career over everything else, that it impacted your family. And I'm curious about what your thoughts are about physician families. Hugely important. I, and, and again, I, I could, we could go on a long time, but the thing that, that I neglected was the, the Buddhists talk about awareness or mindfulness. I was not aware or mindful of what I was doing in my pursuit of, quote, success, status, pecuniary awards, power, authority, all these things that we associate with success. And only when it's attained is its hopelessness becomes aware. Early on in my career, you're right. I mean, you don't want to divulge your weaknesses to your colleagues or your administrators. But where I am now, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I used to say I was in the fourth quarter. I'm now in overtime. It, it doesn't matter too much who I offend at this point. 
So now, now you're, you're in a place where you feel that you can be more vulnerable, more open, more, more helpful. You know, Khalil Gibran, who wrote the book, The Prophet, he said, we give but little when we give of our possessions. It's when we give of ourselves that we truly give. And that's what you do as a physician. That's what I do. That's what all physicians do. We give of ourselves as well as our possessions. The biblical, it's in giving we shall receive. And there's absolutely no doubt about that. It's, it's in reaching out to others that we find contentment. Whoever's listening to this, I want you to right now draw a square in your mind. Work, family, spiritual. Now I want you to draw a line commensurate with how much effort you put on each of these in a daily basis. How long is your work line, your family, your spirituality, and your physical? My line was all work. There was no family, essentially. My spirituality was completely atrophic after 12 years of Sisters of Charity and coming and growing up. And there was no, no physicality. That nomogram, I've given it hundreds of talks, Jen. That's the only thing anybody ever remembers of anything I've said is the square. And that's why the title of the book is Square One, getting back to square one, getting back to balancing your life on the work the family, the spiritual, and, and the physical. It's just essential. So what are the three most important things in life to you? Number one, it's physical and mental health. Without those two, you're in shallows and in misery. Number two is relationships with God, family, friends, and colleagues. And number three is carpe diem, seize the day. So I appreciate the opportunity to share this time with you and look forward to future talks. Thank you so much. Dr. Joseph Maroon, we really appreciate you coming and sharing your wisdom on Doc Working the Whole Physician podcast. And as you said earlier, if people want to find you and find out more information about you, they can go to josephmaroon.com. We will also post information in the show notes with some links, and we'll post your video as well on our blog. Thank you so much for joining me here today. It's really a meaningful conversation. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'm Amanda Taran, producer of Doc Working, the Whole Physician podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Please don't forget to like and subscribe and head over to DocWorking.com to see all we have to offer.